Welcome to the Live, Sail, Die podcast. Okay, sailing sports fans, we're here today with Elise Beavis and Sam Street, who have recently dominated the WASP class over in Italy, with Sam taking out the overall and the Youth World Championship, and Elise taking out the Women's World Championship. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Sam, well, we'll just kickstart with you really quickly. You said you're sitting on a couch with your mates, but you're not in Auckland. Where are you? Yeah, so um, me and the boys, Robbie McCutcheon, Chester Duffer, and Jack Fryn, we're currently uh, on tour in the United States at the moment, um, match racing. So uh, yeah, we're in we're in New York at the moment. Just finished up the uh, Oak Cliff International. Um, yeah, really fun event, really fun um, tour so far. Just lots of learnings for the team. Uh, we're new to the match racing side of, side of it, so um, yeah, yeah, no, it's been fun. Awesome. And Elise, we do recognize where you are. Um, you're at work today. Yeah. <laughs> For those that don't know. Um, I mean, obviously you've got like a huge, uh, a huge role uh, that you play with your day-to-day life in sailing. Um, but are you comfortable with telling us sort of where you are today and what you're up to? Yep. So I'm in the boardroom of uh, the Team New Zealand base from last cup and this cup so far. And in a couple of weeks, uh, we move across that little stretch of water to what was the Ineos base um last america's cup and so we're taking over that building and moving in there but uh really we're quite excited with the first ac40 turning up also uh pretty shortly that's left china and is on its way here um so that's really what we're working towards is the launch of that boat fantastic exciting stuff but the most exciting thing that we're here to talk about is how you guys managed to have two and a half years of complete lockdown here in new zealand and go out and dominate the world's Alrighty, so I just need to get an understanding, and I think everyone wants to sort of know how can two sailors in the at the bottom of the world train for an event when we're locked down and then go and win? Like honestly, how the hell did you guys do this? Great question. <laughs> I guess yeah. Yep. No, at least you go first. I guess like we've both had quite a lot of time in the boat longer term. So I was talking to quite a few of the sailors over there, quite a few bought boats just before COVID became a thing. So they, I guess, struggled a lot more in terms of they got boats just before, got in a few days here and there, but didn't necessarily get much in. Whereas at least Sam and I have quite a lot of years of experience, even if we haven't done so much in the last couple of years we've got that, you know, sort of muscle memory and um, stuff to fall back on and um, with not so much time in the boat, get back up to speed. Would you concur with that, Sam? I mean, we um, we did the last Worlds, which were in 2019 and they were in Perth. Um, and that was, I don't know, it was, it was the second Worlds, I think, but it was a new experience for all of us from New Zealand. Um, there was Bruce Kirsten that did the world's or the Europeans before, I think. Um, and he was up the top. Um, so we had that sort of base knowledge that, you know, New Zealand are pretty quick on falling boats and stuff, but um, we got back and like, there was a good group of us five every, every weekend would just go out and just have fun pretty much just go around marks. Um, and then during the week, quite a bit, Alex Mitchell Barker and myself and Seb Menzies would go out and, just to line up after line up, um, just trying to, you know, for fun, but just sort of better and get, learn learn about the boats a bit more. Um, and 
yeah, that really paid off. We went to Australia in 2020 and the Kiwis got one, two, three there. So we, we knew we were quick um, going to this Worlds. But yeah, it was, I mean, COVID didn't help, you know, not be able to race for uh, for so long. And we haven't had a regatta in New Zealand for a while. So um, yeah. Yeah, it was it was an interesting process not being able to race against mm. the rest of the world. So, pardon the pun, but do you feel that you were flying blind slightly when you got to Lake Arda? Um, for myself, I was confident in my boat speed, um, just for the fact that we've done so much time in the boat, um, and that in that area, I was I backed myself. I didn't want to jinx myself as such but i i was confident in my boat speed um but before i left i did about three days of just nailing out some woodward lured boat handling sort of stuff just to shake the rust off um, and then i had about a week before garda so i was i was comfortable going into garda but i was still it was still a bit of an unknown at least for you, you it was pretty um, safe to say that you're definitely the spokesperson for the WASP class here in New Zealand. Yeah. I mean, you're the reason that I know anything about the WASP, not that I know anything about the class, but you're the reason that I keep hearing about it. I mean, for you going into that world championship, sort of what was your goal? And and obviously the goal was to do well, but did you did you succeed mm. in that in that respect overall? Yeah, I sort of same as Sam, like, because we hadn't raced since 2019 and that um, our main falls were actually smaller and after Perth, they got larger. So there are a lot of changes for the class, heaps of different names. Not many people from Europe had come down for that and stuff. So um, I, did, I actually went over to Garda a little bit before Sam and did foiling week in the pre-worlds beforehand. Um, I only had one day of training over there um, with the charter boat before foiling week, but I started the first race and probably quite a few people were a little bit rusty going into it, but I was in the top 10 in the top mark. And I was like, wow, that, that's like way more than I expected. Um, and just from that first upwind and seeing how, you know, I was certainly in the mix with boat speed that I was like, oh, you know, when Sam gets here, he's, he's certainly going to be in for a shot. So, um, but yeah, heaps of people had asked what my goals were. And I've seen how some of the girls had done with uh, this, Sao GP Inspire um, with the um, that program and stuff and um, knew the Norwegian girls and guys did a whole lot and stuff. So really didn't know how things would stack up until I actually got sailing with them. Had either of you sailed on Lake Garda before? No. Never. Spectacular place, though, like. So Amazing. That's, that's what I've heard. I mean, look, I mean, I've been a, a visitor to Lake Garda, but I've not actually sailed on it. Uh, tell us, is it true that it really is the mecca of sailing in Europe, or are there is there yeah. somewhere better? I mean, New Zealand's pretty good, but like, <laughs> no, nah, I definitely for foiling. Yeah. Yes, um, like I my first, so my first couple of days in Garda, I couldn't get out because there wasn't any wind. But the day I did get out, I just looked up and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. <laughs> Um, just mountains everywhere and yeah it, it's definitely breathtaking to say the least was the uh, scenery a bit of a distraction uh, the first day was the training day was but I mean yeah you sort of get locked in after that so tell us then is it true that when you sail to the cliffs you just take the shifts from there so what I've been hearing from everybody is with Lake Garda don't go down the middle go to the edge go to the shifts bang those corners hard and you'll come out on top. Did either of you play that card? And is that true? Yeah. Did it work? 
Yeah, most of the time that's the case. So we're mostly on this course right by the Yacht Club. They had two courses um, for the split fleet, so one course on each. But I think for both of us, the vast majority of time was on the close course. Um, and so that was definitely a start on starboard, get as close to the shore as you can. You didn't really want to start too far down towards the pin or you'd hit the shore too early. Um, but trying to come in more up towards the Yacht Club, tack out, depending on the conditions, um, potentially, you know, take another dig or two back out that side. And it wasn't like that every single day, probably more so during uh, the Wasp games. In foiling week, there was definitely a day or two where it paid, like there was sort of bands of pressure coming down the middle at times and it, every leg sort of differed. Um, but typically it was that bang left when you're on that close course. Was that racing uh, thrilling and exciting with 160 boats out there? It was really exciting. I think especially once uh, we split into gold and silver fleet, um, because once it was gold fleet, it was just the top 70 boats in the world. So uh, it was all, it was pretty tight. You know, everyone was certainly getting around two laps of the course and stuff. And, you know, you'd go around the top mark, you know, wherever, and then, you'd sort of be expecting, you know, what boats are still going up when that it might need to dodge and stuff. But, you know, the fleet was really condensed. So, yeah, sort of, yeah, just get going. But, yeah, any mistakes cost you big time. Sam, it looks like someone's passing you notes. <laughs> no. Um, no, just came from Elisa. I mean, she got pretty fruity on the start line. I, um, as an area of, like, where I struggled a lot and – Alex Mitchell Barker, who was over there on the coach boat, he would test this for it. Um, I just couldn't get off the star line, and especially on the last day. I just, yeah, that was scary at points, having 80, oh, 70 boats on the start line, mm. you know, all doing 15 knots charging down the line. It's pretty, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Hang on a second. How does someone who can't get off a start line win a world championship? I don't know how to yeah. get off a start line either. <laughs> <laughs> all right so what was so this boat, message that we're giving and boat handling what's the message we're giving yeah. to the youngsters yeah. out there don't worry if you can't start yeah. just sail faster pretty much just yeah bow down and send it <laughs> bow down and send it that's the uh that's the the biggest bit of advice that the current world champion can provide no i, I for me like going into the regatta it was just keep it clean just um keep low scores because i think in a fleet that big um you know one big score we i mean we had three or four drops three i can't remember drop. how many but three yeah three drops and like just keeping the low scores and keeping that for the uh the gold gold fleet racing was important mm. uh, in my head so that that was my main goal going into it um and again like i yeah just getting class start off the line it was hard but i I'd say 99% of my starts were off the boat and I was about four to five seconds late when the gun went. Um, yeah, there's some pretty, pretty funny videos of me starting. But, uh, you might have to send us some of those. <laughs> yeah. So why, I mean, why did you guys both decide to jump into the wasp class um, as opposed to the moth? Elise, um, you're you're the spokesperson for this yeah, one. Like, yeah. I mean, you're the you're. I mean, like I said, for anybody who had their head in the sand, I mean, honestly, Elise, you are the reason that Wasp is well known here in this country. But why did you decide for this class? Yeah, so I'd um, done my engineering degree at university, uh, and that was following on. I was selling laser radial um, 
you know, single-handed youth class at the end of school and then through university, I didn't really sell much. And then I started work at Emirates Team New Zealand and was quite keen to, you know, get back into sailing. And so first attraction was um, a single-handed class, just in terms of time available, just being able to go when I had time and having that freedom around it. And then uh, the second part was the cost aspect. Like for me, buying a wasp after one year of work, that was, you know, pretty much my savings. There's no way the budget would have uh, stretched to a moth. And I think probably would have struggled with it. Um, you know, you've got, you've got that added dimension of flight and all your pitch control. So there's plenty more going on in a wasp than, you know, your classical single-handed dinghies. Um, whereas a moth's just got so many more dimensions to it. And I think even if the goal was a moth longer term, just learning to nail a wasp first is, would be a bloody good stepping stone. Um, rather than getting thrown quite so far in the deep end. So I'd say overall there was uh, the cost aspect. There was the fact that it's the one design uh, class. Everyone's racing with the same kit. So, you know, as Kiwis, we went over to Garda, chartered boats, put on a few of our own ropes, and, you know, that's the same as everyone else, and it's great. And then with the one design aspect also, there's not all these developments going on. So with the moth or the A class or anything like that, you've got to keep up with that development curve and that's uh, more cost to keep buying those parts. It's boat building skills to actually do all those modifications like putting on new bowsprits and stuff and just that time that's required to do all that work. And, you know, when you're uh, working a pretty full on job, when you've got free time, you just want to go yachting. You don't want to be having to fix the boat or upgrade the boat. And, um, you know, I can put the boat away for six months and bring it back out. And it's still exactly as competitive as it was before. Did, did that much thought go into your campaign, Sam? Um, for me, I came out of 420s um, in 2018 and kind of, I mean, it was quite a big step from, youth to the olympic stuff and obviously foiling was it's not new but it's it's been there for a bit um and i kind of just wanted to get you know a bit of knowledge into that foiling experience because you know the future is getting towards foiling um and the class looked you know very good at you know at the time um so yeah it was sort of a no-brainer just to try and get into the class just to learn learn the aspect of it um and the guys that were in the class you know there was so much knowledge there the perth uh, the worlds were going to be in perth um that coming year so it was you know to gain experience going to a worlds right after getting to the boat it was you know it was kind of exciting um and yeah and like there was a group of us three or four guys that um my good mates that we came out of 420s with and they all boats so yeah, it was just kind of like youth sailing, but in a different class, not as um, stressful, you could say, um, just a bit bit more fun. Elise, do you reckon that, uh, you know, you being involved with uh, Team New Zealand has actually helped your knowledge with foiling? And do you reckon that you've learned a hell of a lot more than, say, the average Joe? I think, yeah, there is definitely some cross-pollination between them. Like, obviously, the AC-75 and the 40s are... Um, very different boats with their four configurations and size and stuff but on the work side there's that um, understanding about uh, let's say um, hey might change if you could 
uh, with the wasp, change your gearing upwind to downwind and um, bits that cross that way. And I guess, yeah, the communication with the sailing team and stuff and maybe um, explaining some of the practicalities to maybe some of the design team who don't have a sailing background at all or, um, yeah, that sort of in between. There's definitely the crossovers. So when you guys both realise that you'd done it and you'd nailed it and you've won overall for you, Sam and Elise in the women's division, I'm not going to ask how you feel about that because obviously you'd be bloody stoked with winning and becoming world champions. But, I mean, was it something that you actually expected? Like when it was finally said and done, you had that medal around your neck, you're standing on top of the podium, at what point did it kick in and go, wow, I did this? I mean, I definitely had a bit of a freak out um, in the first race on the last day. Like it was um, fairly light and uh, I went around the top mark ahead of the two Norwegian girls who were the second and third girls. And I was like, oh, it's, it's good, they're behind me. But they're bloody good at getting up in the light wind and um, getting on the foils. And sure enough, uh, Nora, who's the second girl, she she would have eaten up at least half of the delta between us, like, 15 odd points um ahead in that race and it was really that you've just got to put that behind you and you know sell each of the next races as their own individual races and um yeah those other three turned out rather better so yeah finished pretty pretty confident that I was ahead of them but still um wanted to check that scorecard at the end of the day it's pretty good yeah yeah (laughs) And for you, Sam, I don't know what it is, but I just I feel like you've just picked every right shift, just done everything right, and just cruised in, took the win. Was, did it, was it as easy as it looked for you? Uh, coach wouldn't say that, but um, <laughs> no, I'm kind of glad. Like the third day or first day of Gold Fleet Racing, I had a, a pretty good day. I um, oh, I started the day off with a deep one. I did a tack bureau at the top and um, capsized. Got my tiller stuck. Um, but then I managed to take uh, three bullets, I think, which gave me a pretty pretty healthy lead going to the finals. Um, and going to the first race, the last day, I was a little bit nervous because I knew I had a good shot at it at that point. You know, I just had to sail, you know, sail my own race, and just keep it clean, be in the top ten, I think it was. Um, and like Elise said, the first race was, I think we had one one or two general recalls um, for both being over. Um, it was really light and when I did get off the line I was I think I was halfway down halfway down the uh, line just trying to stay foiling and I kind of got sucked and sucked in behind a lot of the guys and I think I must have been I don't know third or fourth row and yeah I was like okay I got a bit of work to do now um, and I actually especially in Mel Chesney you want to stay left when it's really light because that's where all the breeze is and I just played my cards a little bit too far and went too far right and dropped off the foils um but i i I wasn't panicking at that point i knew i had the drop drop in hand but i knew i had to get the extra three races in um and then the second race another bad start uh i uh managed to finish one place behind sam whaley i think i was pretty deep going around the first top mark uh, brought it back to a place behind him. And then the third race, I thought I'd completely thrown it away. I uh, come off the start line and um, I had a couple of boys in front of me and they crashed together and I had to shoot this gap that was 
I don't know, about a meter, meter wide, <laughs> collected some guy's sail, collected another guy and did a turn off the line. So I had 65 boats in front, 66 boats in front of me. I think <laughs> that I had to catch up and I think Sam was in third or fourth. And I actually managed to come back and pass him in that race, which was pretty crucial because I think I went into the final race with five, a five point lead. Um, yeah, and then the final race, I, I wasn't very nervous. I knew I'd done pretty much everything to try and lose the regatta. So I was kind of like, just just pull one together and, you know, hope it sticks. So I uh, come off the boat, good start, starts clocking left. I was like, that's not good. Um, so I attacked to consolidate. And I think Sam Whaley, who got second, he was second for most of the race and came up on the final upwind he was going back downwind and i was 14th and he was second and i had to be sixth i think to win the event and i was yeah sweating bullets a little bit <laughs> but um yeah jibed away from everyone else and came back and on lay on to the finish and uh came out jibed right in front of him actually and he managed to just sneak through and in, in front of me and we as we crossed the line we had a little a little touch but um yeah it was within the place so it was it was exciting we weren't sure in the back of our heads well alex and myself we um thought we'd done enough we weren't sh completely sure on the points alex thought i had an eight point lead um the mates back at the flat thought i had an 11 point lead <laughs> i thought i had a less point lead so we didn't really know until the camera boat came up and said how does it feel to be world champion so wow. yeah it was, it was a pretty cool it was a pretty cool feeling so starting in maths and not the strong point of your campaign but you still managed to no, pull through no the boys need to sharpen up on the math um <laughs> yeah yeah it was sort of just go out there and stay as close as you can and just yeah but um no the, the whole event itself it was it was really well run um you know the caliber of sailors there was you know top notch the, the top 20 all of them you know most of them won races so um yeah it was it was a pretty pretty cool event so the message here to everybody is that it's okay if you crap at starting because you can still <laughs> win a world championship as long as you just know where to tack and jive properly I don't, I, think I don't suggest I don't suggest <laughs> it, but yeah, do, do a little bit of starting practice. <laughs> yeah, I think with the foiling boats, you know, if you mess up a tack or a jive, the costs are so huge. So say at the start of qualifying where everyone was mixed up, you know, there's a huge number of people fluffed the majority of their manoeuvres. And so if you started badly in the qualifying, you know, you, you picked off so many people without doing that much um, so it's really a case of minimizing mistakes in those areas um, but yeah once it hit gold fleet and you know that standard of maneuvers was higher but I think still just even if they weren't necessarily like a fully dry tack but a, a pretty nice touch and go there's um, you don't lose too much versus if you get a wing and you just boats are just going pass 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 so yeah just not make mistakes and I think um, sailing good modes also there's a quite a few of the sailors um, overseas they seem to sail this quite high slow mode versus um, Sam said earlier you know put the bow down and let it rip you know sail a wider mode get boat speed up and then because you're sailing this boat that's heeled over to windward 
once you've got that speed on, you're getting your negative leeway going and you're back to sailing a high mode, but you're going fast also. I think that you have a lot more technical aspects uh, of this uh, foiling stuff than the rest of us do, at least. I know Sam's sitting there going, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Well, you can be, you know, you've got your top mark and you th- you're maybe a bit below lay line, but you're nice and locked in and you just climb up and up and up on it. So it's the opposite of when you're in your opt going along to the top mark and everyone's tacking out and tacking out and no one's making lay and further and further, you're in bad air, you're pointing lower and lower. Um, it's the opposite, you're getting locked in and you're just climbing up on that lay line, um, especially with Garda coming back from the left. Um, with the shift that you get there, then you'd get the shift as well. That really just wound you up. Oh, it's very cool. I mean, Elise, we read an article um, from you as well that, you know, even though you were 22nd overall, you were the female world champion and you still definitely are a world champion. Do you feel it in your bones that you've you've earned that? Yeah, yeah, I definitely feel it. I think we had um, 30 females competing out of 160. So, you know, that's a that's definitely a good fleet. And, you know, the UK girls and the Norwegian girls, it's um, definitely strong sailors there and, um as Sam said, we did the Perth Worlds back in 2019, and that was 60-odd boats with only two females. Um, and I was first female at that, but that that didn't really feel justified because uh, the one of a girl, she was on the small rig. You know, I was the first female and last female. It didn't really count for anything. Uh, whereas this time, you know, being the first of 30, it's, yeah, certainly a pretty cool achievement. Take that win and uh, own it, absolutely. It was, it was definitely cool seeing... Like, because I saw in 2019, there were only two girls, but like, yeah, the girls at this world, it was, I don't know how many were in gold, five or six, but like, yeah, the, the whole level from the girls fleet has risen so mm. much. It's, it's really cool to see. I think that's yeah. the great thing about the WASP is that it doesn't matter, male, female, whatever, you know, you can be quite competitive as long as you've got those mm. basics right. And I mean, obviously make it easier for yourself and learn how to start properly, you make it even <laughs> easier. Um, but it does seem like the kind of boat that you can get in lots of training, lots of practice, and doesn't really matter where you've come from, you know, you mm. can pick up those skills. But obviously to refine them like you guys have done to claim those world championships, uh, that's a, a massive credit to you guys. And I think also you, you've, you've mentioned your coach, uh, Alex Mitchell-Barker, Sam. Elise, who was there to help you? Yeah, Alex was, um, he was there really helping all the Kiwis. Um, and I guess as time progressed with Sam having that uh, middle or overall title potential, there's definitely, I think, focused on him a little bit more. Um, yeah, he, he was also helping out uh, George Wills, who came third master. Um, and he had, I think, only done 20 days in the boat wow. in New Zealand before going to Garda. And he, was, he went over the same time as me. So, you know, had quite a good warm-up lead up to it, probably doubled his amount of sailing he'd done in the boat. Um, and, yeah, came through as third master and just literally every day it was just up, 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 up on, you know, how, how he's sailing the boat. So. How do you reckon this reflects on uh, Kiwi sailors in general? I think it's pretty cool. Like it's, it's. I think we punch well above, well above our weight, considering that we, you know, we haven't raced. There's a record fleet, 160 boats, and our fleet at home. It's been, you know, slowly declining over the past few years. I hope, you know, after this, you know, we've got so much knowledge in New Zealand in the WASP class. It, you know, people need to jump in. You know, we've got the world. The worlds are in Sorrento next next year um but yeah I, I think you know we as a country we do pretty well for ourselves um yeah we just got the attitude to just you know go out there have fun you know 
keep pushing each other. I think that's a big one. Um, and it's just fun to go racing. Like, yeah. I think yeah, there's no. a difference. You, you guys are happy and excited just to mm-hmm. be on the water. And I think that definitely reflects in your results. Sorry, what are you going to say, Elise? I was saying, yeah, and I think, you know, we'll go out, you know, on your own or a group of mates and, you know, practice and get better and have fun together and push each other um, and not needing, you know, a big program around it with, you know, coaching all the time and stuff. And I guess maybe it takes a little bit longer to get good if you're figuring it out on your own, but then you actually understand why, you know, what you're doing makes you faster. So, um, yeah, that sort of self-motivation and stuff. That's so cool. Well, we were watching from the sidelines here, and I tell you what, it was pretty exciting, especially to see, you know, the two New Zealanders claim those titles. Guys, what is next for you both um, WASP speaking? Elise, we know that you're not going to give up the WASP anytime soon, so what's (laughs) next for you? Um, So we've had to reschedule our 2020 Nationals a few times with COVID, um, and so we're having a last-ditch effort uh, the weekend right before Christmas this year. So uh, we'll have Nationals at Murray's Bay, and I'm hoping we'll actually get quite a decent turnout in terms of uh, school and university exams are over. Um, We actually heard recently two of the UK sailors uh, coming over for summer, so need to find them boats to use, but get a bit of an international fleet with that. Uh, And then dates are yet to be confirmed, but then the 2023 Nationals is going to be in Christchurch around the SAUGP time. So we've got those two Nationals quite close together, and then we've got Sorrento in Melbourne December next year. So there's a really good lineup of events, and I'm really hoping that our performance in Garda you know, motivates more people who have boats but don't use them to actually get out and use it or new people into the class because we really saw that um, coming back from Perth that that really motivated the fleet here and there's a, you know, a good increase and then it sort of petered away a little bit um, with COVID and uh, restrictions on not being able to go sailing and stuff. So really hoping with going into this next summer that, um, you know, our performance over in Garda encourages more people to get out and go wasp sailing. Well, you're encouraging me. I'm still a bit <laughs> nervous to try, though. I'll probably fall flat on my face. Sam, uh, what about you for the Wasp? Are you going to give it another crack? I'll, I'll jump and do the Nationals, and um, I'll see, see where I'm at, but I'm, I'm definitely keen to do the Worlds in Sorrento. It's a bit closer than Garda, <laughs> which is um, which helps with the, the cost. But, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely keen to, to stay in the class. Um, I want to, you know, it'd be great to just build the class a bit more from where we are at the moment um get a good fleet over in sorrento which would be pretty cool um but yeah yeah the the class is you know it's in a good place at the moment with you know elise is world champion we've got alex is a you know great great source and coach and um yeah we've got everything's there to, you know setup wise for um to get more people into the into the class which is which is good uh, I was just going to say, um, you know, off the back of this, Alex is organising some other coaching, particularly for newer sailors to the class. So he ran the first one of those up at Manly last weekend. So um, I think particularly with some of the younger sailors or maybe the parents of the younger sailors, there's been this fear of, oh, letting my kid out on the water, you know, without a coach. So I think that might have has probably been a bit off-putting to some people. So getting some more regular coaching in place should um, hopefully get rid of that hurdle. What about those uh, two crazy sitting next to you, Sam? Are they going to? Robbie's they... just Robbie's just smiling at me. Here's a wasp at the moment. He he's uh yeah he's like a kid trying to learn on a new bike. But uh yeah I'll, I'll take him out and give him some tips. But uh yeah no uh, 
they've got boats you know there's a few few new people that have got boats which is pretty cool um but yeah i'm i'm trying to get these boys to jump in for the nationals which would be pretty cool awesome guys we're not gonna um hold you up for too much longer i know you're both extremely busy uh well i don't know about you sam you guys you look quite comfy there on the couch with your mates but elise i know you're on your lunch break at work so we can't keep you uh too much longer but guys hey look thank you so much and from all of the live sale die team a massive congratulations i mean we get super excited when we see kiwis at the top of the podium and um you know to see the double i think is just absolutely fantastic uh, any sort of final remarks or passing words or advice for the next generation that you'd like to pass on? A little bit of your wisdom. You know, not to be daunted by a new class of boat. Uh, I think maybe the boys are a bit better in that regard than the girls. The boys are, you know, the teenage boys are probably generally more of a risk taker to get in and, you know, not worry about going swimming a whole lot for the first month or so. Um but, you know, you'll be able to figure it out. We all started um, with lots of swimming. And uh, as far as foiling goes, you know, it's a pretty safe boat. There's no stays to fall into. Uh, the foil's all the way around behind the wing. Um, there's no boom to hit your head on. So in that regard, it's, you know, quite good as a learn to foil sort of class. And just, but really the biggest thing is do what you love. Um, if you're not enjoying what you're sailing or whatever else you're doing, don't don't keep doing it like find find what you enjoy and do what you're passionate about and because you enjoy it, you'll do it heaps and chances are you'll end up getting pretty good at it it's pretty sound advice i think in terms of the wasp there's there's so many opportunities now to you know like this sale gp the inspire program i i did it in sydney um the experience was incredible you know you get to be around the the gods of sailing like your slingsbees your ainsleys it's it's pretty cool and especially with the event coming to new, uh, to Christchurch, you know, the the opportunities to get into the WASP, do the Inspire program, you know, there's the careers program with that. I was in Canada helping some of the Canadian guys um, and like they had 12, 15 girls there and they were all super excited to get get involved with the uh, with the WASP and, and the Inspire program. So I think, you know, the WASP is a cool class. It's, it's a very safe class, um, but it gives you that foiling experience and, yeah, there's so many opportunities opportunities with the boat. Very cool. Well, I'm sold. Time to jump on Trade Me and see if there's any um, wasps available. Yeah. Before we go, we all know that you guys can't get to a world championship on your own. Is there anyone you guys would like to thank? I think um, George Wills was, uh, who, as I said, was third master. He was quite a good supporter for us in terms of he really uh, facilitated bringing Alex over as the coach. Uh, would have been coachless without George Wills going over. Um, and then one of uh, my colleagues at work, Eduardo Sanchez, he put me in touch with uh, Diego Romero, who gave me a great deal on his apartment in Garda. So that was very helpful. That helps. Getting a good night's sleep helps. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, firstly, I'd like to thank mum and dad. You know, they've, they've helped me all the way. Um, and also the sponsors, got GCH Aviation. They've, they've been with me for a few years now um but also alex you know he's been my training partner in, in the wasp for you know got on three four years now so you know winning the world's not just me it was him as well so um yeah there was so much effort put in like back in 2019 um so yeah without without those people i wouldn't wouldn't have done it all right guys hey look thank you so much for the time today uh best of luck for you guys in your sailing futures i know you're both going to go far we hear your names getting thrown around 
everywhere. <laughs> so if the world doesn't know who Elise Beavers or Sam Street are, you, they certainly do now. Guys, congratulations. Huge effort. And we look forward to catching up with you guys again in the future. Thanks. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, everyone. See you guys.